imprisoned in the jail where he will eventually be killed, John sends his people to Jesus with a question. Are you really the one we've been waiting for? This is the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus, I'm sorry, when John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see, someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. And yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. All right. Well, we finally got our Christmas tree up, you guys. It was a week ago, last Sunday. And we are live Christmas tree people. So we got a tree, stopped on the way home from church, and got a tree. And so then while Alice was taking her nap, we got the tree into the house and all set up in the stand, so when she woke up, we got to lead her out into the living room for her first glimpse of this Christmas tree. You guys, she was like beside herself. She could not believe it. She kept pointing at, look, tree inside. Tree inside, in-house tree. Tree in my house inside. She was so, so overwhelmed. It was amazing. And we started decorating, and it was just so much fun. Everything I did, she would copy. So I would like pick up a strand of lights and go over to the tree, and she would pick up a strand of lights and carry it over the tree. And I would pick up an ornament and bring it to a branch, and she would pick up an ornament and bring it to a branch. And it was just, oh my goodness, just looking at her face and her excitement. At one point, she crawled in behind the tree and crouched down and just stared up at it. It was so precious, and I don't know, it, it was so special, and I've always loved Christmas, but I was just thinking, man, Christmas with your child? This is something else. This is so special. Christmas with children is just it's the best. And then about five minutes later, when she had tangled the lights, and broken three ornaments, and was insisting on touching every single thing everywhere. I was like, oh my God, Christmas with children is the worst. Oh my goodness, this is horrible. It is so annoying to do this with all these little people around getting in the way and messing everything up all the time. So, John the Baptist. The John the Baptist that we see in this week's reading, very different than the John the Baptist that we saw in last week's reading. Anyone remember the reading from last week? Were you, some of you guys here last week? Remember this? So that one is John the Baptist out in the wilderness preaching. You guys remember this? 
And that John the Baptist knows exactly who he is and what he's about, right? He's not afraid to be different. He's got his weird camel hair and he's eating his bugs and everything. And he's not afraid to speak his mind. You remember at the end of the reading last week, the big shot religious leaders miraculously come out to hear him preach. Do you remember what he calls them? You brood of vipers! What are you guys doing out here? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Repent and be baptized. You're going to be thrown into the unquenchable fires. Nice guy, John the Baptist. (laughs) So that was last week. What about this week? This week he's in prison, right? And I mean, poor John the Baptist. I mean, he's kind of a character... But he, you know, he knew, like something in him knew that something was coming, that change was coming, God was up to something. He's doing his best to get ready, get the people around him ready. And what does he get for it? Thrown in jail for telling Herod that he can't get with his brother's wife. He gets thrown in jail. And so that's where he is when we get to our gospel reading today. So he's in jail, he's got way too much time on his hands, he's got way too much time to think, and his life is in the hands of this cruel and like maybe kind of crazy king. And so he's sitting there, and he starts to kind of have some doubts and not feel so certain anymore um, that Jesus is who he thought he was. That's a big deal. Because John has always been a very like sure of himself kind of guy, right? He's always been very sure about himself. So it's a big deal for someone like John to even have doubts in the first place. But to have doubts about Jesus? I mean, if anybody is going to understand who Jesus is, it should be John, right? He gets front row seat to watch Jesus work, to hear Jesus speak. He baptizes Jesus himself. He is right there when Jesus is baptized and the heavens are opened and the spirit of the dove comes down and this voice from heaven says, this is my child. How can John the Baptist, bold, brash John the Baptist, doubt Jesus after all of that that they've been through together? But then on the other hand, like, How could he not doubt him? Because he stayed true to God's word and he did prepare the way for Jesus and it landed him in jail. Right? So if they have been waiting, waiting, waiting for the Messiah and this Messiah is coming to set God's people free, how come he's in prison? A couple of months ago, Hebron House, that's the homeless shelter that we work with in Waukesha, they came to us and they asked if maybe we would make Thanksgiving dinner for one of their shelters. And so without really thinking, we were like, oh yeah, we'd love to. And how about we make Thanksgiving dinner for all of your shelters? <laughs> Which turns out it's like 60 people. But you know, you guys know Jane Boris. Not much phases Jane. So she was, totally took this on, went off and ran with it. And she decided to go, once they figured out how big the scope of this project was, she decided to go to stores and ask if maybe they would consider donating some of the food for the meal. I mean, 
It's hard to think of a better use for church funds than Thanksgiving meal for a homeless shelter, but you know, we like to have our money stretched as far as possible, so off Jane goes, store after store after store. And um, most places, you know, were, a couple places gave us a little bit. Most places said, you know, sorry, we don't really do that sort of thing. One place said they would give us all of the turkeys for free if we would put signs with the name of their store on the Thanksgiving dinner table. She said, um, no, thank you to that one. But anyways, so there's one place. Jane goes in and she asks to speak with the manager. So she goes back to the manager's office and sits down with her. I think her name is Karen. And Jane tells Karen like what we're doing and would the store maybe consider helping. And Karen said what most of the other stores had said, which is, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry, but, you know, we do our, our charitable giving at, an, at a national level. We don't get to make those decisions here. But then she paused, and I, just, I couldn't believe this. You have to ask Jane to tell you about it herself. She pulls out her purse, and she pulls out all the cash in her purse. It's like $32. And she gives it to Jane, and she says, here, please take this. I always, I always want to help, but I never like, know quite what to do. Please take this and use it towards the dinner. All right, so John the Baptist is sitting there in prison, and he sends his people to go to Jesus and just point blank ask him, look, are you the one we've been waiting for, or should we keep waiting for somebody else? And so they go to Jesus, and in classic Jesus fashion, instead of answering their question, Jesus answers their question with a question of his own, right? Well, what do you see? What do you hear? Look around you. People who were blind can see. People who couldn't walk are walking. People who were sick are healed. People who were dead are alive again. And the poor are hearing good news told to them. How do we know Jesus is the Messiah? It's not the voice from heaven. It's not turning water into wine. It's not walking on the waves. It's this. It's people's lives being transformed all around him. People's lives being changed for the better because of him. Now, John the Baptist is not the only person to kind of struggle with recognizing Jesus for who he is. This is a theme throughout all of the Gospels. And it makes sense because Jesus is completely different than what people thought they were waiting for when they were waiting for the Messiah. Right? For centuries, they've been waiting for someone who can lead the charge, topple the giant, right? kick out Rome, win the war. And Jesus just isn't at all interested in winning. He's only interested in love. And sometimes in this world, loving looks a lot like losing. Or at least it looks like stepping out of the game entirely. And if you're someone who's really, really focused on winning, stepping out of the game, that's like just as bad as losing, maybe worse even. So John doesn't quite yet understand the end game for all of this. And I think most of us have had or are having or will have a John the Baptist moment. It's those times when something doesn't go at all the way that you expected and you go, hang on, is this, 
is this really the way this is supposed to be? Like those times when Christmas decorating doesn't go quite exactly the way you thought it was going to. No, but seriously, I'm thinking of, I mean, like, think of a time, times when um, something that you thought um, was going to make everything better doesn't. Maybe even makes some things worse. Or um, times when somebody that um, you thought really would always be there for you in a certain way and for whatever reason, they're just like not able to be there for you in the way that you had hoped. Um, or a time when um, you make a big decision and it turns out to be much, much harder than you had thought it would and that causes you to second guess and doubt the decision that you thought was the right thing. So what do we do as people of faith in a time like that, right? How do we find God when we're in a place like that? Well, three different things from John the Baptist's story. First of all, just because something is hard doesn't mean that it isn't right. Anything important is going to be hard. But if it's important, it's also going to be worth it. And then number two, it's okay to not be certain. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask the question, God, is this really you? Or is this, am I just like barking up the wrong tree? It's okay to question God because that gives God the chance to answer. And the last one. You want to know if it's God? Look for lives being transformed. And that's true all the time, but that's especially true at Christmas, right? How do we know that this baby is the baby? Not angels, not a special star, not a virgin birth. It's because through this baby, people who are blind are able to see, and people who couldn't hear can hear again, and people who are sick are healed, and people who were dead are alive again, and the poor hear good news. That's true for churches, too. What makes us a church? Not stained glass, not a steeple, not the name on the door. This is a church of Jesus Christ because people's lives are being transformed in this place and through this place every single day. And it's true for everybody at Hebron House, and it's true for Karen at the grocery store, and you guys, it is definitely, definitely true for me. Because I see you. I see all of you, and I see what you've lived through, and I see what you share of yourself in this place, and I see how you take care of each other, and that's changed me. That has changed me in a big, big way. And getting to be your pastor was the honor of my life, the greatest honor of my life. So you see those church signs that people put up sometimes, keep Christ in Christmas? You know what John the Baptist would say to that, right? He'd say, you want to keep Christ in Christmas? Be Christ in Christmas. Heal the sick. Help the poor. Change people's lives for the better. And you do. You all do, including mine. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
for being Christ in Christmas for me.